So in other words, I, what I track very carefully and religiously is anytime I do any kind of marketing activity, what does it pay off? And what's my goal for it? What's my definition of success for that activity? And welcome to Art Juice. This is honest, generous and humorous conversations that will feed your creative soul and get you thinking with me, Alice Sheridan. And me, Louise Fletcher. And this is episode 89 and warning alert, we are talking about numbers and figures and statistics and basically what things should you be tracking or might you like to consider tracking in your art? And this has been prompted by a little bit of a disagreement between Louise and I, which we are not going to go into this week about <laughs> For news sake. and statistics and figures and you know how they can be interpreted differently. Anyway, got me thinking. And we also had a great listener question, which kicks it off a bit. So we're going to do things a little bit back to front this week. So we're going to lead with the listener question first, and then we're going to go into that topic. So this might be an episode that you want to grab a pen and a piece of paper for if any of these ideas sound like a good plan and might want to be something that you start doing. But before we get into that, what's your week been like? So I've been looking at my paintings and I referred to this a little bit last week that um, I was going to start printing things in black and white and then looking at the paintings in black and white. And in doing that, I learned so much about what was working in paintings and what wasn't and realized a lot of it is to do with the way I've applied paint or made marks in the ones that I like, it's varied and different. And in the ones I don't, it's not. And because I love color so much, I've made beautiful color combinations on some of them and got distracted by that and not know not notice that these other things are not right and yet know that they're not right because I'm stuck but not being able to identify why so I made this huge sketchbook filled with images of all the work everything's numbered everything's got notes it's amazing never <laughs> done anything like this before um, yeah. and it's really reconnected me to the paintings that I started some of them a year ago and made me feel like I just really want to dive into this project. And I've showed some of them on social media and had inquiries about buying them. And I said yes to one. And I almost wish I hadn't now. And if you're the person listening, I'm not taking it back. You can still have it. But I, I realized that, no, these are a, a series that I really want to dive into. And I want that to be my focus seriously for the next however long and I don't want to sell them not because they're my babies and I'm hanging on to them but because I want them together as a full body of work for some event that I can't imagine that I don't know what it will be for some way of showing them and I don't want to be thinking about an audience also but it's very exciting to me and I can't wait to come back after next week I'm going away and then come back and really just spend some time developing the whole body of work I want to have so much of it that lots of it doesn't ever get shown but you know I yeah. just want to have like a massive amount of work so it's exciting yeah you need to allow for the rejects I think in in any group yeah. don't you really yeah so what's your week been like 
it just feels gradually like everything's a little bit going back to normal. So Amy's back to school. Um, the focus really this week has been doing what needs to be done at home to get everything settled. We're taking Theo tomorrow off to university. So getting that done, we've had it got a, an expert coming into the membership. So I've had quite a lot of preparation to do for that. But I have, I decided that I basically wasn't going to do anything creatively this week. Didn't have the time for it. Wasn't going to think about it. Wasn't even going to bring it in this week because my focus this week was going to be concentrating on family, doing what feels good, not feeling guilty if that meant sitting in the garden with a good book in the sunshine and thinking, oh, you should be painting instead because this week, not next week, going to be very different. Next week, I'm going to be like full on deep immersion back into painting. So I've got a few things that need to get out of the way first. Um, so that has all actually worked very well. I had anybody who follows on Instagram, I had a bit of a blip on Sunday, um, stupid new rules coming in um, about something totally unrelated, which just made me flip out and feel like what on earth kind of world are we starting to live in when you can't walk here or go there or just anyway focusing back a little bit on myself and it feels selfish to do it but I think sometimes it is important um this morning I went for a run <clears throat> for the first time since I twisted my ankle a year ago it was good it was good to get out it felt good so I'm slightly on operation get back to feeling fitter before Christmas yeah, I went out yesterday morning for a walk without Riley because walking with Riley, you've walked with Riley. Slow. So I went out for a walk without him in the morning when he was out with Phil. And I did an hour and 45 minute walk that we do together in an hour. So that's how much yeah. slower he is. And it was yeah. lovely. And I didn't put a podcast on. I just watched the birds, listened to nature. Just It was lovely. It's a shame though when dogs, I mean, dogs are slow. I mean, mine was so slow and it was okay today because I was at that thing where you're doing 60 seconds, 90 seconds. So I could either run around in circles. I think everybody in the park thought I was totally lost the thread but I was either running around in circles but the funny thing was is like when she lost me and she was like looking to catch up she was looking at and I was like I'm here I'm here you could and I was running and she, she could see her thinking well that's not my person because my person doesn't do that my person <laughs> must be the one walking along slowly over there so yeah it's going to be a very short period of time where I can do it with the dog that's for sure <laughs> So let's jump into this question that came in, um, which actually touches on a little bit on what you've just said, Louise. So I'm just going to uh, read it out. So there's a little bit of background for context. I have several different creative strands, painting, collage, poetry, textiles, crochet, garden design, etc. Okay, so like lots of us, lots of different creative elements. Many of these have come and gone and then reappeared again over the years. Each time I get fully engrossed and productive and then I get a bit bored and I change focus. This has been the pattern and it's led to confusion, frustration and even hurtful comments from family and friends who ask what's the latest fad. I've had a limiting belief for me that in order to succeed as an artist, you have to focus on one area or discipline, stick to it and work hard at developing it. 
However, in the last few months, I've given myself permission to do whatever I like without judgment. And this has been liberating and exciting. I see, for example, how the collages that I produced last month are feeding into and inspiring the quilts that I'm working on this month. I'm now happy for people to see my work in progress and finally confident to call myself an artist. So my question is this. Can an artist succeed like this when the advice always seems to be to focus on and develop one discipline? The fear, I suppose, is that I won't be doing anything well because I'm spreading myself thinly. I'll carry on, though, as I'm enjoying it so much now, but I haven't a clue where it will lead or even if it can lead anywhere successful. So, so, so many good things. Join in the this club question first of all join the club on that one. <laughs> oh, yeah i mean i think many of us many of us have multiple different things that we would like to spend time on and do spend time on and have spent time on but the question is i i think the the should we dispense with the friends and family comments straight away yeah <laughs> yeah that can go. <laughs> yeah let's take that let's take Ignore out that them. Don't worry about them. The thing, the thing is with them is they never understand. Even if you were, no. even if you, you know, my, most of my friends and family have no understanding of what I'm doing. They come into no. the new studio to look at the studio. They look around at the paintings and they don't say anything because they don't know what to say and then they leave. So whether I'm, I'm focused on painting, but it doesn't make any difference. So that we can dispense with, I think. Yeah, I think so. And I think it's not your responsibility to teach them or necessarily to bring them along with you for the ride. So uh, let's not worry about that. But what about this thing about how much you have to work on one area or discipline? And also, I'm more interested in this thing about each time I get fully engrossed and productive, and then I get a bit bored and I change focus. And because that I think is something that we do all feel. And I think we do have to have a recognize that we have different patterns and cycles. This, this getting bored and re re engaging in a different way is I think a totally normal part of any kind of creative loop. I call it. Um, the question is for me is how much do you change focus when you change focus? And it sounds like you're totally redirecting focus in a completely different area but then also getting a bit frustrated when that means that you don't have or feel like you have a sense of consistency which is moving you towards inverted commas success what do you think about that well although this is what confused me about the question because i agree with that part that but then she goes on to say that having given herself permission mm. to do whatever she likes she's found it liberating and exciting and the work is it influencing the work new work yeah and and i wrote down a list of people just that popped into my head robert rauschenberg tracy emin picasso david byrne of talking heads who's also a visual artist and audio artist rauschenberg used to choreograph dance pieces and make mm -hmm. assemblages and make paintings tracy emin's last exhibition there were these giant sculptures that she'd made herself as well as the paintings and she used to make quilts and she's made a tent and i was a bit confused by the the comment that the advice is to stick to one thing yeah. and develop it because actually especially in contemporary art i feel like 
I'm a bit out on a limb that I only want to paint when really you're supposed, yeah. I feel like you're supposed to have you, a concept and then work from that doing concept. installation art as well. And yeah. yeah. And, and I, and, and because I'm not interested in that, I feel a bit, mm, I'm not doing it right. So it's funny at first of all, how we do that. But if, if it's working and exciting and something's inspiring something else, and then you go between them all, I don't see anything wrong in that. I mean, that's just what a lot of artists have always done. But if it's, as you said, the first part of the question, she said she's frustrated that she never sticks to anything. And then in the second part, I'm assuming she, I'm sorry if it's a he, I don't know. Um, but in the second part, they're saying, but I'm loving what I'm doing. If you're loving what you're doing, I think that's a sign that something exciting is happening. You should keep doing whatever that is. I think the difficulty comes because we as the person doing it, we're always kind of three steps ahead in our own mind, aren't we? We know what we're interested in. We know what we're working on. Everybody else, quite frankly, is just trailing behind and catching up because it's about you know, how they understand it comes down to us and how we're sharing it, how we're giving that information out, whatever, however you're doing that, whether it's newsletters or social media, whatever you're doing it. And if you want that interaction with other people and for other people to follow you and be interested, then I think you do need a little bit of awareness of the fact that it might be confusing to people if you're constantly jumping from one thing to another. So it's a little bit more about just taking care of the story and behind that understanding for yourself how all of these things link together and you've been really clear about this how the colleges that I produced last month are now feeding and feeding into and inspiring the quilts this month that's a great story that's interesting that's fascinating I don't see that at all as um, a problem unless you're feeling somehow guilty about it and feeling awkward that last month it was collages and now it's quilts. Mm. Um, but I think, you know, the two can be symbiotic, you know, they can help each other. That's what seems to be happening. Yeah, so you've got to go with that. But I think you're right to have an element of concern about how other people see it because they are always a couple of steps behind us. So perhaps it's about thinking about what the time scale is of this for you and I think it sounds like leaving it open and giving yourself enough time to develop and investigate each area and not be closed-minded about where it's going to lead or what you might want to be doing next that's exciting that is kind of what being an artist is and I think the story for for other people say on social media can simply be I haven't a clue where this is leading but it's that's an exciting story for other people to read wow you know she's doing all this creative stuff and it's taking her on a journey and I can follow that journey and see where it goes and like you say as long as you tie it together for people in some kind of way of them understanding that your approach as an artist is to follow the inspiration as it comes up and not to be tied down to one kind of medium then mm -hmm. I think that's interesting and and it takes away what Alice mentioned, the confusion that people might feel if they see collages one month, quilts the next, paintings the next. This gets rid of that. Having said all of that, in terms of whether it will lead anywhere successful, 
it does take time. And I always say this takes time. And because of this SEO research, you know, I've been looking back into how long it's taken me to get consistent website traffic and backlinks and all of those kind of things, which are now then they're now leading to that natural um, flow turnover sales coming in out of the blue without me even knowing where people have come in from. If I was if I was always switching, I might be building up a certain level of interest from people, and now changing to something else. It doesn't perhaps give time for other people to to know your work, be led to you for one thing, and then realize that you're doing something totally different. So I think if if selling and building it as a business is important to you I don't think it's impossible I just think you have to be aware of that that does make things a little bit more tricky or you just say do you know what I'm just going to carry on doing what I do and people will come or they won't if it's not about making a business when you say I haven't a clue where it will lead or even if it can lead anywhere successful you can't know that there's absolutely no way to know where it's going to lead and it's not your job to know I think it's your job to make what makes you excited and interested is going to be unique to you therefore it's going to be exciting and interesting to some other people but you don't know who they are just got to go and make it and then see yeah. what happens after that unless you you need to make a certain amount of revenue which is what we're going to get to then that laissez-faire let's just see where this leads is a little bit more difficult yeah so it comes down to this this successful thing that's what you need to get clear on what does success look like for you so don't judge it by anybody else's criteria ever that is you know we are all on our hiding to nothing if we do that and I like this is something that I do as part of every year as, as a review you know check back see where I've gone and decide now what do I want the next year to look like for me? Or what do I want the next three months to look like for me? But in the long term, what does successful look like for you? And in the short term, what does successful look like for you? And it might be that successful means that you've lived an exciting, creative life that is open for you to continue following your passions wherever it leads you. In that sense, then it doesn't matter how many other people come along or follow you for the ride, you know? Yeah. Right. So that leads us into this idea about what things you might want to track and why. My point really with this subject is what figures should you be tracking because of what they mean to you and what they illustrate to you and whether that helps you in your art or not helps you in your art. So the first thing I suppose is why, why would you even bother tracking? Why not, why not just turn up, do what you want to do each week, do what you feel like. Is there any purpose for tracking anything at all? If we do it like that, what happens is our memory plays tricks on us or like we remember we had a really good week in the studio or a really bad week in the studio everything we do is kind of laden with these layers of emotion um, and that can play tricks on us so when you have something that's a little bit more precise it can help you understand how you work better um, if you want to run things as a business it can help you understand that clearer better and help you make clearer decisions so for example um, I've got one of those little visitor clickers thing where you count people in through the 
through the door. And I've done that ever since we've done open studios. So I have counted how many people come on Friday evening, how many people come on Saturday, how many people come on Sunday. And over time, that's given me a really interesting picture of how many people come, what percentage of those people buy. So I can, I know now what the likely outcome of something is going to be. But on an emotional level, when you have an evening that you feel wasn't very good and you think, oh, that was a rubbish evening. And then actually you look back against the previous year and you think, well, actually it was the same number of visitors. Then you start to understand that actually maybe it's not to do with the number of visitors, but the level of interaction that you have with people, or you start to see patterns in the sales figures, or actually you start not to see patterns in the sales figures. So maybe you realize that last year, loads of people came on Sunday, but nobody bought on Sunday. And in that case, then it starts to make you a little bit more relaxed and about going with the flow of what happens. So, but I think having those numbers can help you understand what's going on and help you understand how you are reacting to it in either an emotional way or in a way that means that you might want to change certain decisions that you're making. So that's why I think it's important to, to have some numbers that you track. Do you, do you have anything? Because you said to me, this one's going to be on you because I don't track anything. But you must do. No, Come I did. I said I'm bad at tracking. I said I'm bad. Oh, at, okay. Um, and and I, I was feeling particularly. Um, I had emails from Phil and the, my the lady who does my books for my limited company asking for information from me, which I'd realised I'd completely lost track of and not put anything where it should have been. And I also realised all those paintings that I was looking through, I hadn't numbered or tracked. I used to have a numbering system and a database for paintings. That's yeah. all gone by the by. I don't. I can't keep up with it because I just don't have that kind of brain. But yes, I do because going back to the original point that for the lady who asked the question or man who asked the question, I determined very early on I didn't think I could cope with the paintings being the source of my income because I thought that would make it the way I work and just too pressured and I wouldn't. So I found another way. Uh, the teaching is my way to make uh, my my guaranteed income and then my paintings come and go as I make them. So having knowing what my definition of success was going to be, I track that. And that's why my focus when I wrote my notes was very much, well, it's not just on sales, it's on engagement. So in other words, I, what I track very carefully and religiously is any time I do any kind of marketing activity, what does it pay off? And what's my goal for it? What's my definition of success for that activity? And it can be as simple as I send out a newsletter. How many people do I want to read it? And if the percentage starts to drop on that, what's happening? Am I bringing in some of the wrong people? You know, if I post something on social media, what's the engagement? But I don't track it as in writing it in a spreadsheet anymore. I used to. I just look and be aware that, hmm, looks mm. like mm. I've got to look at my newsletter. Um, but ev- everything, so so the business things, I do track certain metrics. It's not natural to me, so I have to force it. Yeah, I, mean, I think you're right to be uh, more focused on what you're understanding there's no point in just writing numbers down and not looking at them or trying to understand them um, but 
I think because it is something that we all tend to avoid a little bit, that was the reason that I very first started doing this right at the beginning was because I needed to understand. And for me, I was almost the exact opposite of you. I thought, well, you know, I can't, I could see artists doing workshops. I thought, well, there's no way I can do a workshop because what on earth would I teach? I've got, you know, so that is out of the window. So the focus on this for me right at the beginning was showing up, doing my work, getting it ready for events, Mm -hmm. understanding how people bought art or didn't buy art and what that meant for me so that I could decide what it meant for me going forward. So I kind of divided this into two stages. And so the stage one, what was really important for me was focusing on what inspires you. So understanding what's going to motivate you. So you talked about accounts and things. So although for the first few years, I did keep a note of expenses. And when I say I keep a note of expenses, what that means is, when I pay something and I get an email receipt, I just put it in a folder that says expenses. And then I look at it at the end of the year. Um, and I have paper ones that I shove in an envelope, really low tech. Uh, there is an app, which I'm going to investigate for this year called wave app, which somebody has recommended. So I'm going to investigate that for keeping track of expenses. But what I mean is I didn't look each month at, oh my goodness, I've only sold two paintings, but I've just spent 400 pounds on framing because I knew that that would freak the bejeebies out of me and make me all anxious about selling paintings. So my focus really clearly on the initial stage was focusing on what would keep me going and taking action. I think because I kind of, I knew that it was going to take a little bit of time and I wanted to focus on the good things. So my key things at the beginning were the growth of website visits. So looking at the end of each month, how many people were finding my website? Because because you've got a website doesn't mean people are going to find it. So if you want people to find it, which is the first step towards anything else that they do after that point, that's the first thing that you need to know is how many people are looking at. And if you're disappointed with it, then you've got to work out what other things you can do that get people to know that your website exists. So for me at the beginning, it was writing blog posts, sharing those to Pinterest. And things like um, social media followers, which is often called a vanity metric. And to a degree it is because just having somebody following you on social media really doesn't mean an enormous amount, but it's the simplest version. And when we're at the beginning of something, if you can keep something simple, if you can track a simple thing, A, you're more likely to keep doing it and keep an eye on it. But what it also shows you is that, you know, your follower growth will reflect other things that will show how well you're doing. So all of those things you say, like, are your posts engaging? Are they interesting? Are the images coming across well? But the social media follower number is, the, is, is a single thing that gives you a clear guide as to whether you are improving or not. All yeah. those other more complicated things like website conversion, what the hell? I didn't know what that meant when I was just starting. And why would I? If I'd started to think about that at the beginning, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even have got past the first few months. We're exactly the same in the sense that because I was beginning thinking, I didn't begin thinking I was going to teach a course. What I initially thought was 
I'm a good writer. People love my writing yeah. about painting. Maybe I can somehow make that into something. But what I did know was I need to get followers. So like you say, that's what I tracked in the beginning because I was spending savings on Facebook ads to bring in an audience, knowing if I bring in an audience, I'll find out what they want and I'll find out if I can give them anything and I'll, and it will be the right people if I attract them with my blog posts. So I focused just like you, I didn't really think about the money side of it because I was spending with no, without no return because I had nothing to sell. So what I did was that's the time when I did focus on newsletter. How much has it grown this week over mm -hmm. last week? How, and I did it weekly. How much has Facebook, I set up a free Facebook group. How many people have joined? Because that was my way of knowing, am I engaging anybody in what I'm doing? Are my blog posts resonating? And then the idea for the course I eventually developed came out of knowing which ones were resonating and who was coming in and what they needed. And then it became really clear to me. And then I had something I could develop and something I really felt I could teach. But in that beginning, just like you, I didn't look, in fact, this is, this is my guilty secret, which I'm sure I've said before, but I didn't, my <laughs> first tax return, I didn't put all my expenses in it because I wanted the tax people to think I was more successful than I was. <laughs> so I did have some yeah. painting sales in that time. I had nothing else to sell, but I had painting sales. But if I had put all my expenses in, I'd have had no income and I didn't want it to show no income which is all wrong, financially speaking. You want to show <laughs> But so at first, I didn't. now I find every single receipt and put them in there to try it. <laughs> but yeah, I, I was just like you. I didn't want to look at things that were depressing. I just wanted to look at what would get me. Yeah, things like, things like mileage allowance, I never used to put in because all it would do is, and you know, there's a whole load of things there then, isn't there? Which I know for me, you know, a lot of it was, I want to have some contribution to the family income. And like, if I've got so many expenses stacked up against it, that's really, <laughs> that's really miserable. Um, it's not worth it. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. Now I put everything, everything that I can yeah. find <laughs> against it. But um, I, I just think that that's really important. And I don't think that that side of it gets talked about enough, I suppose, is what I'm saying in, these, in mm. the early stage, mm. is that, yes, it makes perfect business sense to stack everything against it. But if we're talking about long term here, what you really need in those early stages is to focus on the thing that's going to keep you going, focus on the thing that's going to keep you motivated. So the other thing that I did, I don't know, may, maybe I'm wrong in this, but I... <sighs> I suppose, I don't know if I knew this or if I just wanted to believe this so much that I was just a bit blinkered. I sort of felt that success was kind of inevitable if I showed up consistently. Because the one thing is guaranteed to fail is if you just don't bother doing it anymore. You know, then you've read, like if you stop painting, if you stop sharing it, if you stop making it available for sale then you know you're really not going to sell anything then so for me in the first I would say year or two it was all about just just that concentration on showing up consistently so yes getting a newsletter started and tracking the numbers here and and but thinking that it's not numbers every single person on your newsletter list is an individual 
Every single person is one other person. It's not just numbers. So thinking about that helped me. Like when I was writing my newsletter and it was going out to 40 people, it doesn't sound like very much when you hear people having email lists in the thousands, but 40 people who come to a private view, that's a lot of people if you get them all in a room together. That's how you want to think about the numbers in the early stages. And the other thing that I really concentrated on doing because I knew it would help me build the habits that would help were concentrating and tracking time in the studio. And at the beginning, when I thought I've got to do this a little bit more consciously, I thought about tracking paintings that were finished, completed paintings. And then I realized that that really didn't work. It goes in fits and starts, and that doesn't help with consistency when you're trying to build a habit of turning up. So there wasn't something, I I didn't want to complete one painting or complete two paintings every week for 10 weeks. That, That wasn't how it would fit the flow. So working on time in the studio, A, helped me get my weekly habit system sorted out so that it happened. And it also just helped build that consistency. And again, you know, over time, it's given me some really interesting uh, understanding of how much time a do I need to spend? How much time, you know, what do I need to put into the studio and what generally leads to a certain output? So at the beginning, it was very definitely on those kind of things. So focusing on what I needed to improve, what would help, what inspired me and anything that helped me show up consistently. That was, that was the beginning things that I tracked each month, probably and And each week for the studio time. I think I'm going to go back to track to tracking studio time uh, starting you know when I get back because now my focus is on working more in the studio it's not that I need the motivation to go do it because I've got to get my hours in it's that I know I have a tendency to get pulled off into doing things for other people whether that's making a video a blog post doing something for my membership answering emails um, and we were talking about this before we started that's a real problem for me and I need to understand my time so at the moment I've got this idea that I'll spend three days in the studio and two days on admin podcast recording membership stuff but I bet that's not realistic I bet Mm. that if I when I start actually tracking I bet I'm pulled away quite a lot so I'm gonna go back to that I haven't been doing it because I, I know I get in there whenever I can but I realize whenever I can isn't enough at the moment. But it's also an interesting thing because it does throw up. I think, I think lots of us, I certainly did have it had the idea that to be a full-time artist, it meant I needed to be painting. I don't know what the figure was in my head, to be honest, probably four full days painting a week. That's what you needed to be doing in order to generate any amount of work. And actually now I know that that's not true for me. A, the work the time is not necessarily split like that that's not necessarily how it's split between making the work and all the other things that need to happen um but that also just gives me a little bit of reassurance more importantly it kind of stops the panic and this all goes back to this how you feel about it emotionally for me is that if if you feel like you've got to be working 20 hours a week in the studio in order to create anything of value at the other end once you realize that that's not actually the case, then you start to chill out about it a little bit more. And then it starts to become a little bit more fun again. So think about how the numbers you're looking at make you feel would be what I would 
yeah. what I would put in on this. Okay, so then stage two, which is probably what I'm going through ish now, is when you have more business related goals. And like you're talking about engagement, um, this is more about getting the flow right from all of those numbers that you first start looking at towards what you ultimately want to happen at the beginning. So while in my stage one, what I ultimately wanted to happen was to show up consistently. Um, For example, I might do things at that stage, like keep a note of how often I was posting rather than what the results of my post were. Whereas now I'm starting to look at you know, you look at things, be aware of what's your click-through rate from your social media posts. And at the beginning, I, I think if you focus on that, it's too complicated. But now what you need to understand is what is the purpose of each post? Is the purpose engagement? Is the purpose to lead people off into a certain direction? Are some posts going to be more directed to sales? What's the flow of people when they come to your website? And that's when you can start looking at things like how many people land on your website compared to how many people sign up for your email newsletter, Mm -hmm. email newsletter, email list, whatever we want to call it. Um, And just starting to focus on things like what's your best revenue stream? So I've changed my mind this year. I was going to ditch prints. Now I'm not going to because you know figures are telling me a different story i need to keep that mm. so it does change when you get to the next the next level yeah yeah and and it's again it goes back to doesn't it knowing what your definition of success is like what is it yeah. that you actually ultimately want to achieve and what are the metrics that tell you if you're getting close to that or getting away from it and um, for example and this is I had um, a a freebie or I have a freebie on my website which is for the artist side of things to attract people into either the membership site or maybe to take a course or just to follow me on social media Um, but it's targeted at artists at first it was really successful really successful at bringing people in it's tailored it's tailed off now and I think it will be time for me to look at doing something a bit different and offering something different. So it's knowing that kind of thing. It's, it's not just assuming, oh, well, that used to be bringing in lots of people signing up for my mailing list, so I don't have to look at it anymore. It's constant. The, the tracking anything allows you to see at what point it stops being effective. And most things stop being effective at some point. So... Um, And also, I find it really helpful to go back. I don't track this on a regular basis, again, because I'm not very good at that. But I do go into my analytics once in a while and look at which blog posts are still bringing in traffic and doing well. Because if I know that, for example, if I know, yeah, that old blog post is still bringing in traffic, I can go update it with a few different words and a few different, you know, a couple of new sentences and it'll get new steam in Google and bring in some more people if that's a popular post. Or I can boost it on Facebook, even though it's old, if I know. But I only do that if I want a result out of it. So when I, and this is a good point, when I boost a post on Facebook or pay some money for that, what am I looking to get out of it? Because I now know, like you were saying earlier, I know all the conversion rates. So when I ran my free course, for example, I could pretty much predict from the number of people who signed up from the, for the free course, how many were going to end up on 
the course at the end of it because I know from two prior years now what what generally happens that's like you were saying about open studios that gives us quite a, a sense of security but also a sense of what do you need to do to get to that point so what I'm trying to laboring to say is know what the goal is because I've seen people say I'm going to try Instagram ads or I'm going to try Facebook mm. ads mm. without knowing it doesn't have to be a financial uh, game it, but you need yeah. how are you going to measure it again yeah, yeah. is it yeah. is it a hundred new subscribers to your newsletter list or 20 new subscribers if, yeah. if, if you know that those subscribers ultimately turn into something that's worth spending that money on, then that's fine. But if you just want more subscribers and then they all drift away, then that's not, that was just a waste of money. Yeah. And if they're just going to be subscribers to your email list who actually aren't engaged or just join for the freebie or aren't really interested in your work, if you're selling it, again you know that becomes then that becomes a pure vanity metric doesn't it you know how many yeah. people are on your email list doesn't if they don't open your emails it really doesn't matter so i i think looking at those things what do you want people to do what result do you want from this what needs attention those that is the purpose of looking and understanding what some of these figures are so the figures are the figures but actually they're telling some kind of story and you really need to understand that organically first you need to be able to to do it organically first before you get to the stage where you're boosting a facebook post and see what happens because it doesn't really get you anywhere all it gets you is that you've given facebook 30 quid and um, I think you certainly need to get to that stage where you give Facebook uh, 30 quid and then scale up if you know what you're scaling towards and you know what the outcome is going to be. But that's when you're really getting into, it doesn't have to be complicated, but it needs to be clear. So you need to know how many people need to visit your website in order for you to make a sale. And it's difficult if you're focusing on selling original paintings that only one exists of you can't set up a flow like that in quite the same way it has to be a little bit looser but you need to know what kind of things contribute towards it so what else do we have on the list oh so other things that i noticed by by looking at numbers and understanding them a little bit more is uh, you just start to notice things like for example what percentage of your selling price do your frames cost and i noticed that that seemed to be a fairly consistent figure and that helps me now both in pricing and if i'm choosing a new frame if i'm choosing a new frame and the costing of it is coming out at a, a slightly higher price compared to what I plan on selling that piece for, I know I need to modify or talk to my framer about checking back on that because the ratio's got a bit off. Um, so what, what you track, what you look at, what figures you look at is going to be different for all of you. Um, but I would encourage you to think about which, which ones are going to help you in terms of motivation and uh, emotion, how you feel about it, what's going to get you to take action. And then the stage two is really looking at the figures in a slightly more financial way. So one of the things that was is quite interesting to note, but I think this massively changes over time, is what size pieces sell best. So in the early years, I basically grouped all my paintings into different sizes, and I could see what percentage of sales over the course of the year came from 
smaller size paintings, middle size paintings and big paintings. And I don't think that necessarily informed what work I wanted to make, but it was certainly quite interesting to know. Hmm. <laughs> See, that's one know. of those things that I have no idea. I'd have to go back and look at my list of paintings sold. And because I'm no good at tracking, I'd have to remember what size they were, which mostly I could probably. So I, it's just a mental block for me in, in organization. It really yeah. is. And I, and I don't think I'll ever be it able to be any different i think what i have to do is put systems oh come on come on come on on. i'm not gonna no 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 no. i'm not gonna let you get away with that you can't just say this is a mental block with me and therefore i'm never gonna be better at it come on yes because i can say what i'm gonna do is get people to help me with it so in the past that was my that's different that's still always different you can say i don't even want to do this yes but there is something okay then you've got to put something else yeah in. okay fine you can get it's like that. making my own frames you know the person who makes my frames said to me anyone could do this if you learn you could learn to do this and I said yeah but I just don't want to I'm sure you're right I just don't want I know but that's 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 a difference isn't it and that's again it's like when you're at the beginning and I remember trying to learn a lot of this you know, the marketing stuff and the business stuff. And we were like, oh, I get my team to do this. Or you just hire somebody to do that. And I just, you used to drive me insane because it's all right for you if you've got a team and you've got somebody else to do it for you. But for most people at the beginning, you don't have a team or somebody else to do it for you or even afford to pay a bookkeeper. You've got to work out a system. You've got to have your husband do it. do it. That's when I had Phil do it. <laughs> well, well. If they're useful in that kind of thing, yes, but yes, yeah, yes. no, didn't have that. I had to do it all myself. You've got to figure it out yourself. You're right. You can choose. Do I want to spend my time making frames or pay a framer for it? But there are certain things that you do need to do. Keeping yeah. track of expenses, <laughs> keeping track of and sales, if, kind of a legal mean, requirement. Do you not think? Yeah, but do you not think that there are certain things in life that we just we can't do? I mean, I don't think that it should be something that you should spend all your time doing if you've got an alternative way of doing it. Yeah. So if you've got an alternative option available to you, then that's absolutely fine. But I don't think it has to be that complicated. Like I say, all mine, I just, when an email comes in, I just shove them in a folder and deal with them all at the end of the year. It takes, I did it the other day. It takes me two seconds when an email comes in. And at the end of the year, I think it took me an hour. I need, to do, I need to make a folder because what I do is I leave them bold in Gmail and then they just pile up the bold things because yeah. I've left it. Yeah, I need to put them in a folder. Yeah. Anyway, this is this but is that's really simple. That's really simple. Anyway, we've gone off track, but there you go on numbers. We all I think we all have our weak spots, I suppose, is the point is the point of this and why I thought it was important for artists because I don't think actually you can get away with like Louisa saying, oh, but I'm just not very good at this, so I'm not going to do it. Um, because it does help you. All of these things, they do help you. But I think it's important not to overwhelm yourself with doing too much or getting too complex right at the beginning. So key essentials are, yes, you should be tracking your sales and yes, you should be tracking your expenses. And all of the other things that we've mentioned, so social media metrics, um, all of that kind of stuff, it's about what do you want to happen as an end result. And 
the whole idea of any figures that you look at is what needs attention and what doesn't. And some of it you can afford to let go and not pay that much attention on. But for example, you know, if you're, if you can see that you've had three months where sales have been quite good and then they've dropped off, that needs some attention. If you can understand that sales have dropped off because you haven't done anything, you haven't made anything new, you've been on holiday, it's not a problem then, is it? So it's not about the fact that the numbers have suddenly dropped. It's about what it means and then therefore next month what you might want to do differently. And that's what's going to help you keep moving forward. I used to work for someone in business who used to say what gets measured gets done. And also what's, what gets measured is where your attention is, is where your focus is. So that is one of the key reasons for tracking sales is because if you track sales at the end of every month and you can see that you haven't sold anything in the last two months or three months, do you think you are going to be more or less likely to get your ass in gear and do something that makes a few sales next month? Yeah. I know I'm, that it, you put your attention on it. You look at it then. So that's what, that's what you concentrate towards a little bit. So, okay, what's inspired you then this week? Oh, I've had a great week for inspiration. So I've been watching documentaries on YouTube, art documentaries on all sorts of artists, but the one I really enjoyed most was Jackson Pollock, a documentary called Mural. And it's about a painting he did. Um, There's a lot of myths about this painting. It's a giant mural he did for Peggy Guggenheim, who's a major art collector, gallery owner at the time. And he did it for her apartment building. And I've heard all the stories about this painting before that Marcel Duchamp, it was too big. So Marcel Duchamp chopped part of it off and made it small enough because it it was the kind of painting you could do that with. And this documentary said, not true. There's all sorts of reasons you can tell that's not true. And Jackson Pollock was supposed to have stripped off naked and gone and peed in the fireplace after he dropped it off at a party. (laughs) Also, probably not true. So anyway, I'd heard all these rumors. So it was great to see the documentary. But why it was inspiring is if people don't know this painting mural, look it up. Um, It's before he started doing the drip paintings, but it's, it's after he started to move away from kind of weird figurative work and you can totally see what's coming in it Mm. even though you couldn't have imagined looking at it okay what he's going to do next is drip buckets of paint all over canvases on the floor but looking backwards you can see oh that's coming it's all about movement and and it's energetic and so that was really inspiring to see because it makes you think about your own work not that I'm putting myself in the same category but I wonder you know I wonder what's coming I wonder what's showing in what I'm doing now it's another interesting way of 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 tracking though isn't it really is that we always have this thing yeah you can always see it looking back yeah that's why it's nice to keep some kind of records of all of these things yeah definitely that's Um, good it's great watch that and everybody if you get chance it's free on youtube and also this week lovely lovely packages coming in the mail and um from just lovely people so susan hart who some of you might know i'll put a link in the show notes susan stains her own collage papers she stains this heavy duty tissue paper with all these beautiful patterns and um out of the blue i interviewed her in my membership a few months ago and out of the blue she sent me as a thank you this beautiful package of stained tissue papers for collage and uh, a tiny little painting that she'd made as well um and just 
to open a package like that when you when all you get in the post is bank statements and bills and letters from HMRC it was like oh I've got a lovely gift and the papers are just stunning I can't imagine I'm going to tear them up and use them in anything because they're so beautiful <laughs> I'm just going to touch them from time to time um, and then the next day I got a package from Yvonne Lyon who is an artist who took my course but she's also an amazing singer songwriter musician and I'll put a link to her in the show notes and she sent me three of her own CDs um, and she's, they're just lovely. They're so good. So thank you, Susan. And thank you, Yvonne, because getting lovely packages like that in the post is, is quite a thrill in this day and age. So that what sounds about you? good. It's, it's nice. Um, well, what about me? Um, talking about getting things in the post, I was quite impressed. My daughter's phone was on the verge of, well, no, it was totally dead. And I thought it was going to cost me quite a lot more money to get a new one get it fixed get it replaced do whatever needed doing and um, although the local shop has closed down got it sorted out over the phone and a new one arrived the next day in the post for less than half what I was expecting to pay for it so that was quite I was quite impressed with that Um, but what I'm actually excited about is I have bought a piece of Abigail Bowen's dark days series um which are some paperworks that she did actually uh relating to all the graphs and numbers and everything that was shown at the beginning of the pandemic and she's developed this wonderful series of work there are 13 of them one for each week that we were in lockdown and they are currently on display we're in the window at hicks gallery so at hicks gallery and they have agreed that they will not be taking any commission i i can't remember off the top of my head what that's going towards but it's a fundraising instead of gallery commission for that and they are just beautiful I mean I remember discussing them with her when she was developing the idea for them anyway I'm kind of uh, irrationally excited about those arriving um so if you if that idea sounds good I think there might be a couple more still available contact Hicks gallery and see and we'll put a link to that in the show notes as well yeah, I think they might be out of the window by the time this goes down, but no doubt the gallery will still be acting. But when I had a conversation with them yesterday, what was actually really exciting, um, the person who runs the gallery, it's a family-run gallery, she's also an Alice, so we had a little chat, and I said, how are things going for you? And she said, really good. Mm. So she said, what's interesting is that obviously all aren't, lots of the normal places that we might show and and bigger art fairs aren't happening so we have had to be nimble and change and um be flexible in what we're doing and i think this is this again is why we have such advantage as independent people is that we can do that so for example one of the things that they have been doing is they've been doing a service where if you look for if you look at something on their website you can email them and they will put it in their window for you to look at in person without coming in that was one of the things that they did yeah when everybody was in real lockdown and they had to actually be shut um and she said they really benefited from the amount of people going out for walks Mm -hmm. um from the amount that perhaps couples are together a little bit more so she said often we have a situation where one person likes it usually the wife likes it and then they have to say i have to show my husband whereas now people are around a little bit more 
but um, in general, she said, you know, things are better. Good. That's good. And I think that that is really optimistic. So it's really nice to see a gallery doing well and also evidence from all different, you know, levels that actually there is still appetite and there is still um, energy and enthusiasm and people saying lots of things like, you know, we haven't been on holiday this year um, and people who are in the situation where they do still have jobs um, which is the majority of people. Yeah. Um, they do still have jobs, but they're not spending so much on other things. And they're saying, this is the only time, let's do it now. Let's buy a painting now. So that was, that was nice to hear, reassuring to hear um, alongside some of the other things that are less inspiring and interesting yeah. to hear. That's good news. Great. So we hope that that has been helpful, a little bit inspiring, maybe given you a few things to think about and, and start doing within your art practice. Um, have a lovely week. Have a good painting week. Have a good listening to week. Oh, if you like fi figures, if you like the idea of numbers, I highly recommend a podcast on BBC Sounds called More or Less, which is all about statistics and understanding what's happening. And it is always, always, always interesting. It's a short little listen. It's not art related, but I'll leave you with that as a recommendation. And we'll see you again next week. Bye bye. Bye. <laughs>